Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents. Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, who has five fingers, is the original five finger man, and is going to tell us all about the island of Dr. Moreau. Uh, Dylan, have you ever been genetically modified to transmorph into a beast man? No, I don't think I have, but I'd have to consult with my parents on that one. You're missing out, buddy. Sign up. Sign up for it. Yeah. Get, get involved. <laughs> uh, no way. I'm good. That sounds terrifying. Yeah. Before we decide what our ideal beasts would be or how we would escape from the island, should we talk about some other movies? Yes. What do you got? I watched Jane Campion's new movie, Power of the Dog. Right on. I've heard only good things about that solid movie don't want to even like say anything about the plot because the plot is so minimal it's just like this very psychological warfare movie that benedict plays with kirsten dunst and Mm. oh what it's very eerie i loved it a lot um and like i was like oh this score is so tense what's going on here and then like the credits of music by uh johnny greenwood and i was like oh of course that Mm. makes perfect sense the legend yep so yes can't recommend that enough and then watched king richard actually just watched it again for a second time with sarah this morning right on i really love it like i really like will smith and i think he gives one of his best performances like it, it could be argued pursuit of happiness is still a better performance but like i still think he's so good in this and it like moved me very much yeah, I like I so I'll jump in here because that's also on my list and we can do okay. a little around on King Richard. I liked yeah. it a lot, but I was very in and out just because of the biopic thing. And we'll circle back around to the nature of biopics in one of my recent watches. But Will Smith like, is big on a biopic, especially if it can move me. Like it can like it, it reminds me of like Rudy. Like Although Rudy's a little more fictionalized, I believe, than this is. But, like, Rudy is a great uh, triumphant spirit of a movie. And it's about the underdog. And Well, that's just it, is that I think biopics might be pure cinema, right? Where they, they leave so much unsaid. And if you really give two seconds of thought to most of them, they crumble. Mm-hmm. And yet, when you're watching them, you're just like, great more put it in my eyeballs yeah although there are some that don't catch me like recently i didn't think uh respect was done well it could have been a much better movie uh same with the harriet tubman movie that was terrible could have been a that needs to be like a a mini series though that that does not lend itself to be a two and a half hour movie well, no, because you have to select like which segment of badassery are you going to tell? Her life yeah. is so amazing, you know. That, yeah, I mean, like any five-year period of her experience is more than a movie, and she just has this whole lifetime. Anyways. Uh, yes, so let's see. But you liked King Richard. I liked King Richard. I think I couldn't get past the like, Give me an Oscar, please. I'm Will Smithness of it. I just I couldn't. It, but, but I, I get that. But I like there's a that's how I kind of felt about concussion. Like concussion okay. does give like a good performance. It's absolutely solid, but the movie itself is not great. But like King oh. Richard, I feel is actually a good movie. I think it's a good movie but it falls far short of being even close to a great movie because i do end up caring so much more about the obvious stars of the movie venus and serena williams and it is interesting to do a biopic at this kind of side angle and let's you know i mean i love a sort of at the periphery of history story like i mean taking woodstock is a bad example of that but but that kind of story can really, uh, um, I mean, okay, Almost Famous is the better version of that, right? Uh, Although yeah. Lester Bangs is whatever. And it's also, that's a fictionalized version of, like a heavily fictionalized version of 
But I think you get the point that I'm trying to make, which is that coming in sideways to a biopic is a good idea. And it makes for an interesting telling that we haven't seen writ large over and over again. And with this one, the, the arc of Richard having to accept his place on the sidelines is so anti-cinematic and anti-climactic, right? The, like the big moment where we literally end up in this movie is him walking from outside the stadium to sitting in a chair. That's- I don't think it, I don't think it was really about him being, uh, realizing that he's a, like the guy on the sideline. I think he knows that he is, trying to train these kids for when they're adults that they are going to be pros it's just they became pros much younger than what he had planned for i don't think it's just that i mean obviously that's a big part of the plot but i think i don't okay, know so don't if that's but how is that a theme right okay he didn't need to be the star though he's not the like he's not trying to make himself the star he's just like trying to speak for his kids in those interviews but i mean i guess there is a ego thing to be want to be on camera so much and be interviewed i guess you're right well it's not even just that it's the he's very much like the first coach right the whole dynamic there is that he knows better and he actually does know better that's that open stance mm-hmm. he revolutionized the game but the but dynamic wife his wife taught them that again she he yells is actually point. at the side lines of this thing <laughs> yeah. it's just him having free time i mean uh-huh. as a man who's married to an incredible woman with lots of free time on his hands i can identify but that's a different story you know and uh-huh. he is an interesting figure obviously richard williams and like a, a magnetic you know there's something sticky about that story in the same way that you know you hear this this kind of similar arc about Tiger Woods and his dad gluing the or taping I'm whatever I'm waiting for that biopic so are we all and that's <laughs> what I saw here with King Richard where it was like yeah no okay I, I read the Sports Illustrated article I've seen this one before mm-hmm. and it, it is it's oh, a I great see, oh I see what you're saying it, it's just hitting the basic biopic no it's, oh yeah absolutely Although one thing I really loved about it is the the kind of like movie star moment of Serena with the beads when she finally comes out and they just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to both of those incredible women. That was Venus who took uh, center stage there. Yes. Yeah, but that shot is great. I I thought that was like a movie star moment that was totally unexpected. And that's where it kind of crystallized for me. I was like, right, right, right. Cause, and, and they're so talented. I mean, there's no soft spots in this movie. I'm not like, it's good. It's (laughs) worth a watch. It's very enjoyable. Uh, It's a good holiday movie. Holiday movie is great. I was just about to say Sunday afternoon movie, you know, put that on at 3 PM and just enjoy your afternoon. Great Mm. day. Yep. Yeah. I I just, I, I, I'm bracing myself because I can see Will Smith clapping politely a few months from now and not making a speech. And I just, I feel like that's- I gotcha. The point of that movie more than anything. That's what I'm trying to say. The point that If that movie had existed for a reason that was not so much to get Will Smith an Oscar, but to be that story that I um, might've liked that a little more. I get it. All right, all right. I'm done with King Richard. What else we got? Hold on one sec, my cat. Get out of here. <laughs> that darn cat. Good Lord. Okay. Back to it. Uh, the next one. All right, we're jumping into the 90s for these ones. Let's go. X-Files movie. Nice. Awesome movie. I think it's good. Yeah, I dig on it a lot. Have not seen it in forever. Love it. I think it's great. I even like the one they made in... 2000s i want to believe i like that one too but i don't think it's good but i think the first one is like pretty solid Uh uh-huh okay great i I need to re-watch the one from the 2000s uh i'll probably do that here soon the one from the 2000s feels like later seasons x-files episode where you're like uh i want to like this and i'm going to tell people that i did okay okay i gotcha um you ready for this one i don't know if i am black dog 
the Led Zeppelin album from 1970? No. Okay. Yes, obviously, but no. Patrick Swayze, Meatloaf, Randy Travis. Do you know what I'm talking about? Dylan, I was not ready. What is this movie? You have not heard of Black Dog. No, but everything you just said to me <laughs> makes me want to be a part of it. Dude, we have to do this one on the podcast. It's What's so the deal? good. Uh, so Patrick Swayze is a ex-convict who uh, gets a job as like a trucker and he's hauling some gear that he doesn't know what it, what's back there. And it uh, turns out it's like a tons of ammunition and there's people trying to get it. And it's all done with big rig trucks. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> dude it's so crazy it's amazing I yes, there's a black dog there's a literal black dog in the back of this trailer but there it's also an expression for a tr like a trucker who is like going too long and like he sees the black dog or some I shit i love that i almost want to like it's too niche to make a whole podcast out of but this 90s thing of like the little <laughs> subculture that we're going to exploit to a 90 minute thriller, those are my fucking favorite, yeah. man. And it's great because they're actually doing, you know, some live stunts with these big rig trucks. And it, it's great because you can clearly tell not Patrick Swayze hanging off. The <laughs> <side>. <laughs> yes. Yes. So can't recommend it enough. It's so bad. It's so good. I Phenomenal. love it. Phenomenal. Black yep. dog it is. Black Next dog. week. <laughs> um okay. Sticking with the 90s. Firestorm. Howie Long. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, the fire cool. jumper, right? He's like a parachuting uh, firefighter. Uh-huh. And then wow. that one guy that's in like uh um everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what's his name uh, i'm thinking of him in deuce bigelow uh william force rob Ford. schneider that's so disrespectful no not him uh he's in like american me and once upon a time in america uh he's in a seagal movie uh but his name's william fourth forthy forcey forsyth william forsyth yes forsyth there you go. Uh, he's a criminal that uh, is planning a prison escape. He is in prison planning this escape. And he's part of like a crew that uh, has to go fight the fire, like prisoners that go right. and like fight fire. Yeah, and yeah. he plans his escape and he locks people in a bus in the fire and he goes off. And then Howie Long gets mixed up in this situation. And that he sounds got pretty cool. Oh, it's a fun one. There's it's a reminded one. me of uh, what's the uh, for those who wish me dead. Uh huh. But for those who wish me dead, like took themselves super seriously. <laughs> Fair enough. Even though it, it still came across super cheesy, I, this knows what they are, and it's so cheesy. <laughs> I gotta be honest. The reason I brought it up is because I wanted to circle back to John Barenthal real quick. Uh huh. Hey, King Richard. I think he's the Oscar there, dude. He's really good in it. Yeah, I agree. Um, so, I'm, I'm all with you on there. He's very good. Right on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, that sounds like a blast. I can't wait to watch Howie Long fight a fire from a plane. Yes, uh, but they use the song that is in Cat People, that David Bowie song that Tarantino uses in Glorious Bastards. All right. It uh, it's all set to fucking them setting the forest fire that is gonna be their escape. And it's on cue that, like, when it kicks in, set and fire with <laughs> the matches and everything clicks, and it just sets this big old fire. I'm like, this movie's brilliant. I'm pumping <laughs> my fists again. At it's rules. so bad. It's so good. I love every moment of it. Oh yeah. Um, and we're sticking with the '90s, and I watched Any Given Sunday. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen that movie since 1999. It's been a very cool minute. Uh, like, I've always been mixed on the movie. I've always thought it was, like, too much. There's too much happening. It's like the extreme version of football. A dude fucking loses an eye. How often does that happen? 
Uh, One time I was, no, I'm not going to tell the story. I saw a really grotesque thing happen at a football game one time. That's it. But like, it doesn't happen often. It's an incredibly violent sport. But obviously I get breaking legs and stuff like that. That happens very. No, I'm going to say it then because it, it, okay. Oh no. Trigger warning. No, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. It's going to, it's going to hurt me. I, I'm just going to say I have seen a body part fly oh. off of a body that should, oh. you know, yeah. Okay, was, now tell me, what was it? It was the trigger warning. I'm sorry, guys. It, just, was, the, just, it, was, the, it was the kneecap. It was the patella. Oh. A guy's helmet came across and just like uh. hit it just right. And his whole literal kneecap came out of his body. Oh, my God. Was that a high school football game? High school football game. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Those gnarly. Fucking Just one of. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I mean, football. Good God. Go Vikings. School. <laughs> My two favorite teams, the Minnesota Vikings, and whoever is playing the Packers. Ah, uh, there you go. Um. Okay. So, yeah. Any given Sunday, it's 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 like definitely worth a watch. It's way too long of a movie. There's some. It's very hyper. Like it's hyper in its editing. There's a lot of mixed cutting in random scenes, and yeah. there's a lot going on. But a part of me does enjoy it. It's just not great. Let me jump in here a little bit because this is the part I wanted to circle back to, and it's an Oliver Stone thing. Um, and no, no, I'm going to come back to it because it'll launch it. Let's let's uh, let's keep going. That's the All last right. thing. That's the last thing for me. Okay, I'm going to circle back to the point that I just made. It'll be the last movie that I talk about before we talk about this movie. But, um, okay, I'll knock off a couple of real quick. I caught up with Tangled. It was a first-time watch for me. Oh, the Disney movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it's, it's I liked fine. it. No, 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 that's a fine movie. It's not, like, one of my favorites, but it was an easy watch. Easy Sarah watch. Really yeah, it's, it does the, like sort of random humor that kids like mm-hmm. for just right for me you know not too absurd not too pop culture just yeah fun characters a pastiche pretty fine watch the proposal Ugh, i don't like that movie i can't decide if i have seen this movie before or not that the or, Sandra Bullock, uh, Ryan, Ryan Reynolds. That was my response also. I was like, woof. Just like, oh, that's... And Betty White doing her damnedest to make this thing yeah. work. And like, just, what a letdown for how great those two actors are. They could be in such a better movie. Why? They're like two of the most charming movie stars. You know, I watched Speed Why recently. give them that stupid movie? Why give them that fucking script? I don't get well, it. Who thought it was a good idea? No, I, I mean, I get it. It's like a comedy of manners or sort of like a high concept rom-com. Yeah, we have to get married. They're star-crossed. That's yeah. good enough. That makes a movie, uh, right? Yeah, give them a better one. I definitely give them a better one. But what I'm saying is that that is enough for these two people to make a movie. And yet it just never is, man. It is rough. That's a, a tough go. I will say that's a better watch than... Sandra Bullock, what she made after that, uh, All About Steve. That one is... I don't know if I've seen that one. Dude, I'm telling you, watch it. You're, you're going to be like, whoa, what? What is happening? This is crazy. She plays a truly crazy person, and they write some crazy shit that happens in there. Okay. But uh, uh, Bradley Cooper is in it. Uh, right. Thomas Hayden Church. Uh, That's Ken- what I remember. Is is church the lead is he steve no he all about steve is cooper and okay she follows him around like a stalker and after like one day honestly i'm blanking on some stuff but i remember there's like a scene where i think uh sandra bullock and like a bunch of deaf kids uh like fall into a hole were they deaf there's something like dylan looks so worried right now i just need to describe your expression i was trying to remember what it was because i remember watching it i was like why is this happening what is going on right now (laughs) it sounds confusing 
it's not good. I want to do a little Sandy sidebar because she's such a movie star, but I've it wasn't until Gravity that I was ever convinced she could act. I like I like watching her. It's a Sandra Bullock movie. Let's put it on. Yeah, like, but she's good in her like in Miss Congeniality. She actually is giving a good performance. There's some good dramatic moments in there that she delivers perfectly well for how comment right. of a genre it is. Yeah, you're right. And that's uh, kind of what I'm saying about this thing, where it's like, okay, Sandra Bullock and Benjamin Bratt, those two people can make a movie happen, and they did. Yeah, yeah. But Benjamin Bratt's not that big in that movie. He's not a big character. Like, yeah, th- that's why I don't consider that movie a, a romantic comedy. Actually, I I label it a comedy. Comedy because yeah. that whole romantic part is so sidelined. It's such a B thing. It's not yeah. what the movie's about, and they never they only give you like two real moments with it and it's i don't think it's a romantic comedy in any way no you're right the structure of it's much more farce and i just like if if that was an anna ferris movie instead of a sandra bullock movie but the exact same script you would just be like yeah that's a great comedy uh-huh. yeah okay watch? so uh <clears throat> pardon me folks tears of the sun I haven't seen that one in a while. I don't know how I feel about it. I, I remember not liking it. Okay. Granted, I, I was in high school when I saw it, so I can't like fully remember how I truly felt about it. But I just been like, eh, this is like subpar to what uh, war movies can be for me. Yeah, it it does this thing where like sometimes it gets tactical stuff really right, and then in the same shot, not even the same scene, like the same shot, it gets tactical stuff really wrong. <laughs> so that was a weird mix. It, what director is it? Oh, I'd have to look. Um, Isn't it Fuqua? No, it's not Fuqua. No, but it, it feels like an Anton Fuqua movie. It's very middle of the road. Like this It's is... Antoine Fuqua. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> very serviceable and like could be great <clears throat> it's I very like, watchable maybe, maybe i'll rewatch it it's been so long <clears throat> pardon me was, folks really sorry i was in eighth grade when this came out my question is is this the last good bruce willis or the first bad bruce willis um, and it's like right on that cusp man well i mean his last like good performance and it's not like he does anything big he just does it right is looper yeah i'm not the hugest fan of looper i know i'm in the minority there i mean i get it it does some fucking time travel shit that like you just have to go with versus explaining it like it wasn't even that i mean the logic they explain to you and then they write that ending doesn't fully make sense it wasn't even that for me. I just like, maybe it was, I think it's JGL. I couldn't just get all the way into whatever. I haven't seen Looper recently. Let's talk about two for the money. Speaking <laughs> of Pacino. And Pacino. Yeah. Nice. Dude, that is a bad movie that I might watch 100 times in my life. Um, yeah, I remember thoroughly enjoying that. I haven't seen it in a while and I'm sure it's super stylized. It's not as stylized as it needs to be for what they're trying to accomplish. Oh, it's more mundane and kind of boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because they're... I remember the second half being really laggy. The second I, half I just goes to pieces, man. It yeah. like, yeah, and it gets sloppy where it's like, it's a love drama jealousy thing. No, it's a d- gambling thriller. It's, a, you know, the second half is definitely sloppy. The first half is pretty tidy and pretty fun but where it ends up is i i don't know if it's filmable you know what i mean but like the i i liked it because it was about gambling and i don't know if you've ever gambled dylan but it's really fun gambling is fun so i i'm not a huge gambler but i have uh definitely enjoyed it and the thing of like oh my god look at all that money i just won is really fucking exciting like viscerally tingly exciting i've never had that (laughs) i don't know if a movie can make that happen 
even very good, like, I mean, Rounders doesn't get there. What can, you know. Well, Rounders is about so much more. Fair enough. Um, that stuff aside, it, it's really hard to convey kinetic experiences. And that's the climax of this movie is like you find out that Al Pacino has been letting it ride the whole time. Uh-huh. And it's just like, well, that's not a twist. You're expecting that from him. And you're not selling it either. We got to It should be a fucking game. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> game day, right? No. What is the goddamn Oliver Stone movie? <laughs> or Any he, given Sunday, bud? Any given Sunday. I hate Oliver Stone. I'm going to talk about it in 20 seconds. Um, yeah, we've talked about it. I'm going to talk about it more. Get ready. Just because of Island of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> no, because of, uh, we'll get there. But if it was like right. Coke, Chip, and Pacino, it would be something. But it's not. It's sort of like, oh, I'm trying to hide it, Pacino. Okay, two more. I'll run down real quick. Uh, Brokeback Mountain was a rewatch for me. And my question for you is it the best Ang Lee movie or is it the best movie? Not the best Ang Lee movie, but it's fucking great. It's a beautiful movie. Uh, my favorite Ang Lee, I think, is I, The Ice Storm. Ice Storm's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although, I've, also, Ang Lee was my first foreign film I ever saw. Crouching Tiger, Tiger, baby. First foreign film I ever saw. It'd be hard to argue against the achievement of Crouching Tiger. But yeah, Tiger is fucking gorgeous. He's so good All at making movies. Gorgeous. And man, whatever. His newer ones, I could give or take Gemini Man and Billy Lynn's Long Walk, but I like Life of Pi. Okay, but imagine if Billy, or sorry, not, if Gemini Man and uh-huh. had been made the exact same movie with Will Smith in 98. I mean, that's, we would never stop talking about it. It would be face off. Yeah, the problem be. is that he made that movie 20 years too late. It's actually yeah. a pretty good flick. Is it? Yes. Because I watched some action scenes in it and I was like, this is kind of lame. It's, and I watched some of it in the high frame rate and that looked fucking terrible. Yeah, he's... I, I hope he doesn't, you know, fall into the Peter Jackson thing of like technology toys because the stuff that he does with Billy Lynn, there's a reason for the frame rate, right? Like, uh, which I met, I wish I could have seen that in high frame rate because that's what I heard it was kind of used for really well, which is the hyper reality. Like you feel like you're watching it live. Yeah, and if you have post-traumatic stress disorder, everything in your existence is heightened and more intense and coming at you faster because you're looking for death at every instant. So the frame rate really makes sense there. The the scene with the train, I guess I'll buy the frame rate in Gemini Man. I don't necessarily need it. But again, uh, I only watched the the motorcycle chasing and it looked like when it cut to the point of view of being on the bike, I was like, yeah, I don't like that. Stupid. Like it's so basic and old. Like you don't need to jump to point of view. You, that's that's not where we're at right now. Like it. No, I, I guess the argument there would be sort of like Zemeckis though making ten f- terrible CGI movies in a row, and now we all benefit from it as a community. And so Ang Lee giving us that point of view. He's not reinventing cinematic language, but he's uh, pushing no. the technology. That's exactly what it is. And so if you're coming from a place where you've won a bunch of Oxters, you've taken over Hollywood, give us, you know, give back to the community. I think that's kind of fucking cool. Uh, Yeah, I guess I'm a Gemini Man defender. And just to round that out, if, again, the exact same script with the technology available in like 97, I think that movie hums, dude. I I think it's just a little too you know, polished and a little too CGI to, to affect uh, us in 2020 or 2019, whenever it came out. Okay, I got to move on because I just want to talk about No Time to Die real quick. Yes. I thought it was fine. I liked it. I liked it. Uh, I think Carrie... Malik's the weakest part of it. Say again? Rami Malik's the weakest part of the movie. I do Dude. not believe him at all. I'm not a big fan of him. He's fine. He's just not like 
oh my god, this is a fucking Bond villain. He's a fucking Bond villain. No, he is not. Yes, he is. Not. No, I don't think he's that good of an actor. I don't I like so, Robot. I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't like any. I think his Bohemian Rhapsody is terribly acted. He's doing an SNL character, and it's fucking awful. I'm not so, a fan of him. So is Will Smith. We just Dude, talked about as King Richard. It's just no, I don't feel that in any way. It's not an SNL character, but if the goal is to mimic a human. That's a thing that actors do. Congratulations. And, but no, and they, no, they made they made him feel like a character of Freddie Mercury. Okay. It didn't feel like a character. Let's get into it because I'm going to circle. I'm going to put this all into one conversation because the last movie I want to talk about is The Doors, which is going to circle back to Oliver Stone. We're going to talk about music biopics and we're going to launch into Val Kilmer. Are you ready okay. for this? Yes. The Doors is the best music biopic there is. I'll give it to you. It's the second best Val Kilmer performance. On any given Sunday, I might disagree. <laughs> That's true. You could disagree with it, but Wonderland is his best. That's a good fucking performance. I also really like Iceman. I, I think he's... <laughs> Iceman is pretty cool. <laughs> um, okay. So here's what I have to say about Remy Malik and music biopics, specifically more than biopics, which is what we were saying about King Richard. They are a pastiche. If you're coming here for like really exploratory, deeply insightful art, you're not going to get it. That's not what they're for. And that's one of the reasons that the Doors succeeds so well. And it is because Oliver Stone is not a great filmmaker. Hang with me here. Mm. One of the things that Oliver Stone does well, the thing that I kind of like in his movies and wish he did better is like, he's like a, a, a cocaine ferret. You know, he's like this idea and then this idea. And did you know the government is this? And let me tell you the secret about this other thing. And you're like, bro, 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 bro. What is the story here? He's like, I don't know. It's four hours long. And it just happens. So most of his movies are kind of shitty because he doesn't understand plotting or human beings. Some of his movies are really excellent because he understands like the heightened emotional states and frenetic energy that communicate these states of being. War, like deep drug psychosis serial killers right those that's his best stuff where it's far away from reality because he's not super bound to what the rest of us would consider reality even though i really do love jfk <laughs> i i love jfk too but for not oliver stone reasons for like it that's being the first movie that i saw as a seven-year-old that adults watched reasons you know um, okay. And for Tommy Lee Jones, painted in gold reasons, which is an Oliver Stone reason. Kudos. Um, so The Doors is great as a biopic because you can't land the emotional resonance. You cannot tell the whole story. You can't do all of these things at once in one movie. Like we were talking about, in, in, what was the other thing? Where it's like, oh, it needs to be a series. The um, Harriet Tubman needs to be a literal like five season, 20 episode per season series to tell all of that stuff. Jim Morrison had a much more truncated experience, but to really tell all of that, you would need a lot of space. And that's boring as fuck because they were just high all the time. So let's oh yeah, kick this thing up to a thousand and just float through the experience. It's yeah, beautiful, man. It's a spiritual journey. For sure. That's what it is. And it feels, I think it feels absolutely right. Like just the way they told it, like from the meeting of the doors, you get just, you don't get like backstory of Jim Morrison. You get a scene of the car accident with the native American on the side of the road and all of that, but it's not like force feeding you backstory about him. You're just getting these weird implements of how he was as a child. So when 
little baby Jim Morrison is driving down the road, seeing the accident that we later learn his father caused, that scene, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. That's the same thing as Remy Malik doing his like weird strut at the van where he's like, make me your lead singer. Look at me, how sexy I am. You know you want to watch me. Look, I'm interesting. I don't even remember that. That's how he gets the gig. Like he shows up to a few of them oh, and then yeah, they're yeah, in the yeah. parking lot and he just uh-huh. is like posing for them and kind of like being catty and, you know, just exchanging barbs. It's the same bullshit, man. It just is like, yeah, the reason we love Freddie Mercury is because he was fucking sexy. Everybody wanted to fuck that guy and look at his voice. And listen. Okay, so like, let's just put sexy ass energy on screen these are the moments that we're here for the live aid concert let me finish that was terrible so is the scene let me finish sir oh my god i fucking hate that it's like halfway through the it's one of the uh, montages in the doors where it's like hey look at him show his dick here's him swinging from the thing if you watch the concert footage you can watch that why oh, do we need a movie to make that happen? The Doors movie is not making your third act finale one whole concert that you can just go watch. They're just recreating that concert in one whole chunk. I don't need to see that. I've seen it. You, way you, better. Went, you saw Live Aid? No, I've seen the YouTube video. Yeah, you saw oh a God, I wish YouTube I video, bro. I watched the cinematic experience. That was not a good one. No. I. This is the same criticism where it's like, you know, oh, Cruella is guilty of this or whatever. It's like, oh, it's just all soundtrack where it's like, no, oh, no, the, no. Went, the music carries the thing. Right. Because Cruella fucking rules. Well, I mean, it does get really dumb at the end and I kind of fucking hate it for it. Like, she has a parachute. She has a parachute that she designed out of her fashion. I don't give a, that's so dumb and just oh this is it boom like just check it off like that like she has a parachute done. I I hate that. I I I love it. <laughs> we're gonna end our movie with the Live Aid concert and we're just gonna recreate it. Check. It's a biopic. It was like one of the biggest moments in pop culture history i th- i just think because are you what are you gonna so hang on i don't know I just, no 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 you the original know. version of that script would have been a much better movie if brian may would not have cheesed it up and made it a pg-13 movie if it got to be the r-rated real story of freddie mercury it would have been incredible and Sasha Baron Cohen playing Freddie Mercury and actually singing because he's a classically trained singer right but he's not fucking Freddie Mercury can we i mean oh no this no this is like but, american uh, idol advice where it's like Rami hey, Malik is not fucking Freddie Mercury and he barely sings on any of the tracks right because they know you're not going to get a better vocal performance than Freddie Mercury but Baron Cohen can get very close He's very close. They'd probably match him in the pitch, but. And plus, I think Sasha Baron Cohen is a way better actor than Rami Malek. Okay, so did Jennifer Hudson get very close to Aretha Franklin? Mm, oh, singing? Yeah, she sounds like Aretha Franklin to me, actually. Like, listening to her, she, you can clearly tell it's Jennifer Hudson singing Aretha Franklin songs, but yeah, they sound very close. This is a bad challenge because Jennifer Hudson like is like so talented. Walking Phoenix doing Walk the Line. That dude straight up learned how to sing for Walk the Line. Okay. Yeah, see? Ah. Right. Okay. Well, all right. If we're really getting into it, he learned how to sing country and it would not the hardest. Yeah, no, that's fair. <laughs> Good for him. Country. Right. Right. Let me drop down <laughs> to a baritone and affect the twang. That being said, George Strait has the voice of an angel. But then also Reese Witherspoon learned to sing for June. Yeah. And learn to sing country. I, whatever. No, no, no. June Carter's got much more of an intricate voice than what, uh, Johnny Cash did. But it's a warble. So. Okay. You know, I mean, 
I know I get it because I'm not big into country music. I understand that's not like my forte of music. I think it is the more simplest of sounding music. There's a reason Hootie has an afterlife. That's all I'm going to say. And that is probably one of the worst examples you could fucking give for country music. And yet, here we are. Hootie and the Blowfish. Speaking of, <laughs> of Hootie, should we talk about Hootkins? Did you know in this movie there is William Hootkins? In this movie, there's yeah. a William Hootkins? Yeah. Do you know who William Hootkins is? Um, I'm like, <laughs> what if he... I said this to you, Dylan? Stay on target. Stay uh, on target. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was fucking in that too. He's Porkins. Uh, his name's buddy. Luke. Star Wars. Yeah, he's the one of the red team who is telling Luke to get it done, buddy. Yeah, Hootkins is his actual real name. Hootkins. I love it. Um, the George Lucas. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They were childhood friends, you have to assume. Hootkins. Dylan, are you a fan of The Island of Dr. Moreau? How do you feel about this movie? What was your experience? I don't like this movie. I really. (laughs) uh this movie why did you make us do this man this movie makes me like uncomfortable like it is i i i don't like i it grosses me out (laughs) it is gross i think the points where it's most effective are like some of the creature effects are pretty good absolutely that first reveal when you go into the operating room and there's that birth is like oh that's very upsetting the problem is, is that it comes after 30 minutes of establishing shots. Oh. Like, there's not a medium in this movie for 25 fucking minutes. It's nuts how flat it all is. Uh-huh. I could only imagine they actually filmed the plane crash in the beginning. Because it literally starts with the raft over the water and narration comes in. We crashed our plane. There was only three of us left alive and two of them started fighting. <laughs> it's just like, what the fuck? So. I feel like, is that reshoots? Did you, I didn't get to watch the documentary. I don't know a ton about the history of this outside of it being a a famous failure, but because there's such a stark difference between the first 30 minutes and the rest of the movie, I I was like, that's gotta be it, right? They tried to like do something else here. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are reshoots, yes, because David Thelwis came in when john frankenheimer got brought in that's the whole fucking movie yeah yeah david Thewlis is in the entire entire movie, movie. He's, he's the lead actor but who knows what they had shot beforehand like he might they might not have shot like every scene he's in yeah that's uh, you're and that's kind of what i'm saying is that that i really i think the last hour feels like a movie and the first 30 minutes feel like reshoots. And so it probably was to get him to be more of a main character, I guess. It says right here, the whole production was shut down for a week and a half while these changes were implemented of getting it. They replaced, he, uh, David though was replaced an actor named Rob Morrow. Interesting. Mm-hmm. What I, I assume Brando just didn't like the way he smelled and fired him. Well, uh, no, the studio fired the original director, uh, uh, Stanley. Uh, I'm blanking on his name. Tucci. Uh, Everybody knows Stanley Tucci directed this movie. Uh, but they, New Line, fired him by fax or some shit like that. And the director, uh, oh, it says right here, the the director acted angrily shredding documents in revenge and then vanishing after being delivered to the airport for the return flight to Hollywood. The reasons for Stanley's dismissal were not made clear and false rumors were spread about his alleged erratic behavior. But the main reasons appeared to have been his perceived unwillingness to deal with studio executives and especially his problems in dealing with Kilmer, whose already well-established reputation for being difficult was soon to be enshrined in movie lore thanks to this film i'm sorry there is marlon brando with an ice bucket on his head 
because he thought the set was too hot and we're blaming everybody fucking else for this yeah. well um, marlon brando also barely showed up to set he... this is what i'm saying i'm sorry i'm gonna interrupt you because like everything you just said to me that sounded like horse shit just yeah. like a complete load of lies man Marlon Brando is the problem with this movie. He's the reason the director got fired. He's the reason it's fucking insane. Yeah. And he's, it's, he's the reason, this is the reason he was revealed to be the hack that he always was. I said it. No, that's fair. Cause Brando is, it's sad that he's just there. He's not doing anything. It sucks. And it, it, everyone like signed on to this movie to work with Brando. Like when they brought Frankenheimer on to direct and change the movie, he was like, I get to work with Marlon Brando. Hell yeah. His main reason for doing the movie. <laughs> and then even in the Val documentary, it kind of sheds a light on his um, perceived hard to work with. Right. Like he, it literally shows him talking to John Frankenheimer on set. And he's like, he's just trying to understand character stuff and frankenheimer's like no you need to do it like this and well that scene in particular is he's like no i'm gonna keep the camera rolling because you're being a maniac and i just want to document the fact that i'm trying to have a normal conversation and but it's also he has his he's rolling his camera on set and it's the scene where brando comes in painted in white being carried in like he's got the umbrella and everything and Val's zooming in on him. He's like, "That is not Marlon. That's not yep. Marlon." Hey, guy, what's your name? And he goes, "Bob." Yeah, <laughs> just like some random fucking, just random person just standing in for him. Very and they're like, telling. Well, the reason for working in this movie is not here. I, I think the maybe most telling from section from that segment of Val is actually when he turn turns the camera to David Tholis and ask him he's like hey can we talk about this and david goes is just like no yeah no <laughs> one in one word monosyllabic no nope. mm-hmm. uh yeah this is just like a disaster of a movie no it's nuts man because it's like so speaking of david thulis that was i had the hardest time with his i don't name. know which one it is it's thulis that was something like that i think it's thulis um Th- because otherwise it would rhyme with Carrie Elwes and they both spell and pronounce their names differently. Um, David Thewlis is a great fucking actor. And Uh there's a scene about, I guess it's kind of the midpoint where uh, he's sitting there at the desk with Val Kilmer. and Val Kilmer says like, mayday, mayday, there's a pig lady keeping me hostage. What are you going to do here? And that scene sizzles, man. I'm like, oh, these actors are acting. I hate to keep coming back to it, but the first 30 minutes, even David Thulis looks fucking lost and his deliveries are like high school drama club. Like, oh, what is the nature of this island? Please tell me, sir. And that's, it's in that script too. That script is just a hot mess. There's, uh, it, it's terrible writing. It's but like, so that's, it's, fucking it's crazy. boring. It is boring, but it's crazy that the makeup is looks so cool. Really good. Like, really, really good. <laughs> really good. And also, but it's also terrifying. Like, those images have just stuck with me. And, like, for the longest time, could not remember what fucking movie that was. How do you feel about the physical performance of the hyena man? Hyena! His name's Hyena. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have really five keep fingers. going, Hyena, come here! Oh boy, um, I give all the I give all props to the actors in that makeup. Just the fact that they're in there. <laughs> like, you hey. know who one of those actors is? No. Oh, Tamora Morrison is in this was movie. It, wait, who? Tamora Morrison. M. F. and Boba oh, Fett yeah, himself. Boba Fett himself. I see it now. Yeah, I see it now. And also watching, I was like, "Is that fucking Ron Perlman?" Perlman's up in here. Perlman was the goat thing. <laughs> I mean, birth. What, what's the Catching Fire? Birth of Fire? What is that movie called? The dude cast himself in a heavy lot. Gift of Fire. You know, fire. Ron Perlman is a caveman. They catch fire. 
I have you not seen movie. this movie? Oh. oh, buddy, I'm about to change your life. I need to see this movie, Gift of Fire, Quest for Fire. Quest for Fire. 81. All right, speaking of cool things, have you seen the poster for the 77, Dr. Moreau? Uh, I actually just saw it when I was uh, Googling the IMDb. It's real good, right? Uh Uh-huh. I'm actually going to look it up again. Hold on. Island of Dr. Moreau, 1977. I haven't seen this version. I wonder... With the three faces? uh i mean the movie i haven't seen the movie i haven't either i also have not read the story but it's got um what's his name uh from uh austin powers mike myers michael york (laughs) he plays uh like the q the q right 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 basil basil exposition (laughs) oh man uh circling back to james bond ben wishaw always deserves a shout out that fellow is a good actor one of my favorite parts of that movie for sure one of my favorite parts of any movie that he's in what's the plot of this movie sir do you know like what happens of the island of dr moreau yeah let's talk about the movie we're talking about or at least try because you got anything yeah okay well um after being in a plane crash the survivors are rescued and taken to an island where there are scientific experience scientific experiments being made to find the perfect uh species is that what they're for i guess i yeah i'm pretty sure that's what he's doing he's trying to create like the best like species okay i actually want to talk about that is like what the fuck is this movie about like at its core what are we trying to say what does what do we want to communicate as a piece of art because there is a line david thulis at the end is talking to one of the beast creatures and is like yeah we we can get some doctors here scientists and the dude's like nah fuck that we're done with medical experiments let's move on so and even Thulis is like, we don't understand why he was doing this. He seems to have been a madman, which, yeah. okay, that's an interesting horror movie kind of arc. Some guy goes crazy and needs to make the perfect animal hybrid. I, I guess his ultimate goal is just to form animals into human beings. I, I think there's a thing in this movie that sort of jibes with early to mid 90s environmentalism. We're like Val Kilmer is like, no, no, I'm going to kill the rabbit over here, but just you got to eat it. And we don't eat meat on this island. And then there's some stuff where it's like, you know, ape, no kill ape. Except- yeah, 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 yeah. That is law. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there is some stuff in here that's like, should we be closer to nature? Should we understand our, our parts in this experience as opposed to trying to separate ourselves from it? But the movie never arrives at that. It just, I don't know. Man, yeah, I couldn't tell you. It's, it's just a hot mess. Another question. Is Feruza Balk, what, is she an animal hybrid? She's supposed, right? Okay. But she doesn't show? Well, so at first I thought that she was the pig lady being referenced, which I thought was so rude. And then she makes like a cat yowl later on. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, she's a cat lady. And then I just kept thinking, I was like, I wish I would, was watching a 90s version of Cat People with Feruza Balk, man. Aisa, a cat-themed hybrid Amaro's daughter who looks more human than the other hybrids and becomes Douglas's love interest. I don't know if that's like rude to the animals or rude to Feruza Bulk, where they're just like, yeah, you look crazy. Why? We don't need to put any makeup on you. Uh, apparently she, uh, when they fired the first director, she flipped out and made a production assistant drive her to Sydney, Australia. And uh, uh, then her agent told her, if you don't go back to set, New Line will ruin your whole career. And she went back to set. Uh, 
I mean, I guess that was a good decision. She's been in some movies since then. Absolutely. And I always enjoy her presence, but this movie is she she looks like she should be in this movie. Like it, she's got this weird look to her. She's gorgeous, but they but they, then like make something out of it. That's my point is that she's like such an interesting looking person. She's so yeah, beautiful she's and so strange that you just am like compelled to look at her. And then uh, they're like, yeah, I guess that means she's an animal person. I think they give her a little bit of fangs, but like, come on guys, do the minimal work of putting some fucking prosthetics on her or, or do the writing work of actually making this movie about that. Are we human? Are we animal? What is the balance there? Well, they do go into that really heavily when the fucking animals take over. No, but that's the thing is they don't. It just becomes an us versus them thriller. There's no dialogue. They're like, we're, I am now no god. I am now master. So, okay, what's your read on that? Like nothing, nothing. It's I'm not trying to prove a point. I'm just saying they do it and they just throw it out in a few lines of dialogue. That's all I'm yeah, yeah. We're saying the same thing. (laughs) Uh this movie is incredibly bad. Val Kilmer was originally supposed to be Bruce Willis. Uh, Worse, that's a worse movie. That's yeah, it's a way worse movie. Uh what's I gotta Who's Montgomery? Who's Montgomery? Montgomery Clifton? Oh, it's Val Kilmer. Oh, and then it was supposed to be James Woods. Oh, that might be a better movie. I mean, Woods and Marlon Brando. Despicable humans combined to make a really shitty, terrible movie. (laughs) (laughs) One thing I like from this movie is the line he says, "The is it hyena? We have to be what we are and not what the father tried to make us." Yes. And in that movie, this uh, in that moment, this movie supports anarchism and God bless him for it. No gods, no masters. Hyena Swine. That's his full name, but they just call him Hyena. That is wild, man. I also really feel like they borrowed some costumes from, or at least maybe the mask from Harry and the Hendersons. Just (laughs) one or two of those shots. Just one or two. Um, What else? Chekhov's flare gun makes uh-huh. an appearance in this movie, but that is like the exact, they're just doing beats. There, there's nothing that ever becomes a story. We're like, yeah, the, the flare gun was there. And so now the hyena uses the flare gun, I guess. A different yeah. flare gun, no reason for it. I think this movie is summed up in two things that Val Kilmer says during the course of this movie which is when he's describing his cocktail of meth, morphine, and shrooms. Uh-huh, yeah. And then at some point he goes, well, this didn't work out. There's <laughs> a line in the movie. <laughs> Could be taken literal about this movie. Um, the last thing I have to say about The Island of Dr. Moreau is that Brandy could play the Godfather, but Brando could not play Moesha. No, no. Only one person plays Moesha. M to the. <laughs> do you want to do some trivia? Let's do it. Let's do it. I just have a couple of silly games because this movie sucks. Yes, it does. Okay, let's start with um, a new edition of our old favorite, blank blank or both. This week, it's Feruza Bulk, Barth, damn it. The reason this game is fun is because it's hard to play. And because it's hard to play, it's hard to say. Are you guys ready? Yes. Feruza Bulk, Balthazar Getty, or both? (laughs) Feruza Bulk, Balthazar Getty, or both? Or both. All right. Who was in things to do in denver when you're dead things to do in denver when you're dead Um, andy garcia and feruza feruza who is in natural born killers 
Baruza. Balthazar. No, it's Balthazar. Balthazar. Balthazar Getty. Who was in The Waterboy? Feruza. Feruza. Who was in Almost Famous, speaking of? Feruza. Feruza. Who was in Lost Highway? I'm trying to remember Feruza was in that. And Lost Highway, huh? That's right. I don't remember her in it, so I'm gonna say Balthazar. Uh, well played, sir. How is about American? It is Balthazar. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. How about American History X? Uh, uh, Feruza. And Judge Dredd? Balthazar. Balthazar. <laughs> cool. I don't remember Judge Dredd. That was just a guess. Uh, next week on Made in the Nineties. Uh, this one's a gimme. How about the craft? Yeah. Perusing. Okay. How about the craft legacy? Is she in it? She is. She's got a cameo. Oh, nice. Uh, the last one I have here for you is Deuces Wild. You remember that one? Altazar. Both. Both. Both, baby. Both. Okay. I do remember Deuces Wild. That's a that's a cheesy one right there. Frankie <laughs> yeah. Muniz. Wow. Steven Dorf. Dorf, yeah. <laughs> Dorf on dating, right? No, Dorf that's something dating. else. Okay, last game for today. <laughs> You're going to play. You're either going to love this or hate this. It's so fucking dumb. I'm sorry. All <laughs> right, let's do it. We're going to play Val Kilmer or Coach Kilmer, wherein I read you a quote from a movie, and you have to tell me if that quote was said by the actor Val Kilmer or the character Coach Kilmer from Varsity Blues. Cool. Okay, are you ready? I do. I'm so ready. <laughs> oh, Both are Kilmer. Both are Kilmer. It's Kilmer v. Kilmer here. Um, a man's got to find his own way. A friend taught me that. That sounds like Val Kilmer. In... Batman and Robin. Okay. No, Batman Forever. Sorry. He's speaking to Robin in that scene. Robin replies, not a friend, a partner. There you go. A partner. Yeah, I remember that a shit. Partner. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, speaking of the pig lady, I actually do have a line here. It is, mayday, mayday, I'm being held captive by a pig lady. Val <laughs> Kilmer. Island okay. of Nakamura. How about, <laughs> son, you are fucking up my universe. Yeah, that's uh, Bud Kilmer. <laughs> Bud Kilmer. How about, this is the dumbest game. Maverick, it's not your flying, it's your attitude. Come the on. Val <laughs> Kilmer, Top Gun, come on. Okay, but what about teenage death girls want to suck my dick, not my words? No, no, sorry. They want my dick, not my words. <clears throat> Let me give that a clear reading. Teenage death girls want my dick, not my words. Um, Val Kilmer. And, and I don't know what movie, but I'm going to say. Shut your face. You don't know what movie. Uh, the Doors. That is The Doors. Speaking <laughs> of, how about let's go get some tacos? Of course, The Doors. Val Kilmer. <laughs> I love that moment. That's one of my favorite moments why on. is that one of my favorite moments also yeah it's just such a great line delivery <laughs> it's a really beautiful delivery um makes me wonder if you know the difference between a sneeze and a wet fart uh bud kilmer you gotta be the dumbest smart kid i know you gonna be second stream all life boy <laughs> call me a river you fat fucking baby you fat fucking baby bud kilmer all right, that's enough of that. And then I'm just only going to do, um, I'm not going to ask you who said I'm your Huckleberry. That's too easy. Come on. But I will ask you, why, Ike, whatever do you mean? That's great. Uh, that's a good one. It's uh, so my, good. It is. My favorite line is, uh, uh, um, fucking. I'll jump in because oh. I really like when he says the, like, 
you're a day you're not a daisy you're just far too sensitive to this world or what that uh-huh. is such a great line uh the line i like is the guy's like you couldn't shoot me you're too drunk and he's like well i got two guns for both of you <laughs> yeah i also <laughs> you know what like hits my soul every time is when he says why earth is my friend and he's like ah, i got lots of help. well i don't yeah it's yeah great that's, that's so man val kilmer is the goddamn best yep yep that's how i'm ending the island of dr moreau you got anything else that's it 